Hello, everyone. I'm Eric D'Souza, and welcome to this week's podcast of Crime Writers of Canada. Joining me today is uh, a friend of mine, Ardell Holden, and it's always good to spot, speak to BCR. So, Ardell, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me on, Eric. Uh, I had the pleasure of actually uh, being the host of your book launch just uh, the other day. So it's a pleasure to keep on digging into your new book, Killing Imaginary Friends. Um, but let's first start with a bio. So uh, Ardell, along with her husband, Patrick, uh, had two children while adventuring in aviation, mining exploration, and the wild rice lakes of northern Manitoba. She worked as a medical office assistant, a videographer of family albums, and a seamstress for well-coordinated square dancers. Now, she summers in Vancouver Island, and she winters in Mexico. This ideal tranquility somehow inspires Ardell to write about brutal murders, kidnappings, missing children, fatal car crashes, and general mayhem. <laughs> She's written three books in the Samantha Bowers uh, series. She claims to be done with Samantha because Samantha has found her happiness, but we'll see where that creative mind takes us. But for now, let's talk about killing her imaginary friends. We are always taught as authors that we need to hook our audience in early. You did a beautiful job uh, jumping us into the action. Can you start us off today by telling us what happens in Chapter 1? In Chapter 1, um, Ollie is um, in bed uh, asleep, and uh, it's, it was, it's the night of his eighth birthday. His father didn't show up, but when he did come, it was very late at night, called him out of bed, and... Um, his his parents had a, a a big row afterwards because uh, he had come home late and drunk. He mixed, missed his his son's eighth birthday. So um, uh, his his mother Lauren uh, takes Ollie uh, on a road trip in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, over the Malahat from Victoria to Nanaimo to stay with her sister and. Um, so Ollie is upset about his father missing his birthday and for the, you know what happened when when he did come home drunk and and he's further uh upset because his mother is crying and takes him out of the house in the middle of the night into a storm and uh, she's driving while crying in the rain and they come across a, a car accident in the road. Uh, in in uh, there's a, a, an overturned car, and Ollie sees a small child on the road. And and then just as they're passing, uh, the, the police cover him with a white sheet. But the little boy is staring at him. So um, all of these various traumatic things that are happening in one night. Uh, the, is exacerbated by the storm and the flashing lights and all of that. And he he sympathizes or empathizes with this little boy and wishes he could be his friend or help him in some way. And he visualizes him sitting beside him on the back seat of the car. And from that moment on, uh, this little boy who is in his pajamas with a soggy little teddy bear uh, becomes his first imaginary friend. Um, well, let's say that the, the boy he calls PJ at the beginning, 
That's um, right. It must because have been, he's in his pajamas. He doesn't know his name. Not much often. imagination, but okay. No. <laughs> um, it must have been very difficult for Ollie. Bad enough already to go to a new school, but Ollie, um, Ollie's never really left alone by Teddy. Teddy's, or I just revealed Teddy. <laughs> Teddy. Teddy's always around him. Uh, did it make his life like very, very difficult? Oh, yes, because he, whenever he's stressed, he visualizes him. And 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 he doesn't realize in that instant that nobody else can see him. And so on his first day of school in a new city with no friends except PJ, he um, he he uh, visualizes him in the classroom, sitting in the aisle on the floor. And so he starts talking to him, telling him to go home and and gesturing. And of course, all the other kids think he's nuts. And start teasing him about it that he's you know talks to the fairies and uh, that's the beginning of his torment in in and in, in that day in in the first day of school. Yeah, so that doesn't make life easy, but um, PJ never really goes away. And mm-hmm. I was wondering, and maybe my first hard question for you: um, Is there any? Do you think there's any perks to actually having his imaginary friend throughout his childhood? Well, um, he does. He does feel uh, empathy for this child, and and wants to protect him, even though he knows he's imaginary. Uh, he he does he does need him as a friend, because the other kids are are torment him, uh, except for one little girl. And I mean, we're talking grade three, so this one little eight year old girl uh, befriends him. Uh, she doesn't tease him because she also talks to uh, her dead mother and complains about her wicked stepmother. <laughs> um, so, uh, so he only has this one other friend, but but Teddy, uh, not Teddy, PJ, at that point um, is uh, is his only friend. Um. I've mentioned to you this before, but uh, you did such an excellent job capturing the perspective of a young child. Um, and as he grows up and sort of aging with him, your your voice changes with it. Do you have any sort of tips or uh, like, how did you get into his head so well to write him so eloquently? It's not easy to do. No, it's um, that, that, that is the key. Get into their head. Um, when I'm doing the dialogue for either PJ or Ollie or Sid, his little girlfriend, uh, female friend from grade three, um, or his mother or his aunt or his his 18-year-old cousin Brad, I I do try to visualize myself in their in their body. Um and and one of the, the tricks that I do is I I I I have a, a program called Audacity, and I, I turn it on and I record uh, the dialogue, well, the whole chapter, and then I listen to it to see if it sounds authentic to the age that these people are. Um, and that's 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 about the only trick that I have, uh, you know, because when you're listening to a recording, you say, oh, he wouldn't say it like that. So then you rewrite it. Hmm. It's a good tip. <laughs> um, uh, another thing I've said to you is I think you've written quite a unique story, but 
as authors, people often ask us for comparatives. Um, as an example, when people ask me what I write, I often say I'm, I'm sort of writing a modern day Miss Marple. What if Miss Marple was alive today? What if she was married, had grandchildren? What would she be like? Um, I think it would be a little hard for you, though, and I know you've been asking around. So, if you've gotten any answers, like what do you think you can compare this book to? Uh, I do not know. Um, I have had uh, two interviews with podcasters, and uh, one says um, it's a cozy, and one says, oh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not a cozy. So, I'm, I'm still in the uh, research area. I'm going to ask my uh, followers on my email list uh, what uh, what else they're reading in this that are that's similar to my book and and get some titles that way <laughs> I, I really don't know what I'm doing <laughs> I don't know that's, what I'm writing I'm just the... writing a story and <laughs> these things come to me and I try to be authentic with the language so occasionally my characters certain characters will swear. And yeah. I, I try to deal with uh, um, a loving relationship in a sensitive way with more innuendo uh, than a graphic description. So it's not gratuitous sex, but it's love. Yes, definitely. As they get older. Yes. Uh, but I think that one of the things that uh, make it not a cozy is that uh, children are dying. And right off the bat, it's not a cozy. Right off, bat, right off the bat, and so that's um, that's triggering for a lot of readers, and so I can't call it a cozy for sure because of that. I'm agreeing with you. Um, this is my take. At the beginning, I, I get a very much a feel of um, of Stand by Me, just children growing up. Yeah, you, you know, feeling bullied having fear of other kids, being an outsider. I get that feel. And then as it grows up, and I don't know if you know this reference, but there's a Canadian author named Peggy Blair. Um, and she she's in Ottawa and she writes, um, it's set in Cuba. It's the expect, Inspector Ramirez series. And unlike Ollie, he sees ghosts, but the ghosts don't talk. And it's the cases that he's solving. Um, so they, they sort of hang around with him and he's dealing with having to speak to other people without revealing that there's a ghost behind you <laughs> doing silly things. And then the ghosts also provide um, comic relief, which I think um, PJ sometimes does too. So that's the closest I can get because I've been thinking about it for like two, three days. <laughs> and that's, this is what I can give you. That's interesting. And what is the name of this author again? Peggy Blair. Peggy Blair. I'm going to have to um, download some of her stuff and and uh, and, and not the same uh, police procedural, more mm -hmm. gothic, but oh, yeah. uh, but a similar like because the ghosts don't talk in this case. Um, mm -hmm. And I know we've had this discussion between ghosts and <laughs> and imaginary Imagine. friends, but there's a lot of parallel I think to them, and um, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, that's the closest I can give you. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll look into that. That's interesting. Yes. Uh, now, you did tell us also that this is going to be a series and you do set up at the end um, what the next book is going to be like. And I don't want to spoil too much, but he's older now. Is mm -hmm. it, do, do, do you feel it's, yeah, do you feel it's a little odd that he still has imaginary friends at 20 or is it something he has to live with? 
Um, well, I, 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 I don't want to spoil uh, <laughs> anything, but um, he's, he's he's still the same sensitive person. Uh, and he still has a great deal of empathy for his imaginary friends. And uh, so whenever he's the slightest bit stressed, he, he he can visualize them being around him in some way. And he makes a great effort never to think of them when he's <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> he says, that's that's where I draw the line. <laughs> He's got to close the door. <laughs> got to close the door and just not think of them because he realizes that if he thinks of them for an instant, a, a, a moment of stress, he will he will see them. He will visualize them. <laughs> That's tough because some of us go to the bathroom to relax. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, Ardell, um, I'll keep it at that. Uh, thank you so much for. Um, being on the show today. I, I know you're busy launching the book, so it was a complete pleasure. Thank you very much, Eric. 